0: hey everyone scott hansen here from nfl red zone i hope you're checking out one hour of five yard rush one
1: of the best podcasts on nfl football in the uk good day to you rush nation and welcome back to the five yard rush daily fantasy sport podcast with your host nick and joining me, as always, is the esteemed Mark Ferguson. How are we doing, Mark?
2: <laughs> Very good, thank you. Very excited, this is the dawn of a new era, isn't it? Yes, it is. Yeah. It is. New season, new podcast, new yep. new direction we're going in.
1: Absolutely, yeah. Well, hopefully, a, a direction that we we stay on a, a good path along the way and, and we don't derail, Um. Some who listen to our podcast recently will know that we previewed the DraftKings prices for Week One. Um, however, what myself and Mark have decided to do is change tack for the coming season. So we will be switching our focus entirely over to a platform called FanTeam. For those who aren't aware of what FanTeam do, very similar to DraftKings, Mark. Think you'd agree. Oh, completely. But I would argue that the scoring is a bit more straightforward. Um, it's more European based at the moment, though is branching out into the American market. But one thing that really stands DraftKings, um, what really stands fan team out over DraftKings for me is the season contests that they offer, and that's multiple sports. So we're already playing the Premier League season-long, Mark. We both played the Euro season-long, I say season-long, the, the, the competition-long, and they have excitingly introduced an NFL season-long contest, which I
2: am absolutely ecstatic for, Mark, and I know you are too. Oh, completely buzzing. It's, um, it's going to be great because we're going to be able to, as well as helping... Everybody listening, or maybe not, I mean, hopefully we'll do, we'll also be competing against each other, which is great. Uh, a lot of the five-yard boys are involved as well. Um, so that's going to be great. And um, I think the competition, the this sort of contest suits people, whether you come from a sort of traditional redraft-style fantasy football uh, background. If you're an FPL player, I think this kind of suits you as well. You might be better at the planning and stuff. Yeah. So I think it's got a lot to offer for people. It's got a really good... Really good sort of entry point at um, 10 euros or was it £8.40 for us now? £8.40, yeah. Yeah, okay, good. And um, so, yeah, really exciting competition. And we're going to basically cover our teams um, each week, what changes we're making, how they've done, what we're thinking generally about it, about the whole competition. And, yeah, we're going to start it off next week with our week one reveals, which should be on our first video pod. Fingers crossed. Fingers crossed. If Fingers the tech crossed. gods, if the tech gods yes. agree. And um, yeah, so tonight we're going to cover um, cover the rules, cover how the contest works, um, some strategy stuff, players we like. I think that's it, isn't it? Yeah, I think yeah. mainly that should see us through
1: to the next time you hear our dulcet tones, and then we'll be talking about our week one game reveals. Um, I think. One thing that you mentioned there, Mark, it's very similar to FPL and it is. If you've played fantasy Premier League, this kind of format will feel very familiar. If you've played NFL fantasy, it'll feel even more familiar. There's quite a few that are playing this kind of thing for the first time in the community, piggybacking almost off the back of the Premier League season long campaign um, that fan team are running and are joining this because they have a keen interest in American football, as we do. So it's a really good competition to get involved in. You will be coming up against some people with years of experience and expertise watching American football, but that doesn't necessarily mean you're a good fantasy player. And at the end of the day, this is still a version of fantasy, isn't it, Mark? It's basically fantasy redraft mixed with fantasy premier league that is the closest description i could give to this it's exactly
2: like that yeah indeed you still have to think about ownership to some degree probably not as much as you would on a weekly game but you can buy anybody you know which is a luxury to a redrafter who has to wait for their pick yeah exactly that um
1: it's it's a great concept and we're really really looking forward to covering this over the season. Um, hope that you do join us on our weekly pods and you know it, it shows you show us your team we'll, we'll be involved in the community stuff, get your team out of there let us know what you think. We'll be sharing our teams throughout the season and our thoughts. but hopefully this podcast will just give you a bit more of an insight into the kind of things that you mentioned Matt like the the scoring, the rules, the uh, you know our kind of strategy and what we're looking
2: at going into week one and the season beyond that before it's probably worth mentioning though before then the fan team are also doing a weekly competition which is traditional dfs nfl probably not for week one but i do believe from week two onwards and yes. we'll be covering some of that con- possibly with articles on the website
1: yeah yeah I imagine we'll be running articles for that and we will be running probably season long articles as well, Mark, just so that mm. we're reaching the wider audience that may not listen to us on a weekly basis. Shame on you if you're not. Um, but <laughs> one of the reasons why we've chosen to move away from DraftKings a little bit is there is a lot of content out there. Um, you know, if you've chosen to. Listen to us last season in our debut season. Thank you very much. And if you're still listening to us to this day, we appreciate you. Um, we'd love to hear from you on the socials, but I think because there is so much content out there for that, and because this is something that is new and unique, it's just a great opportunity to try something new and, and see how we get on with it ultimately. And hopefully we have a bit of fun along the way as well.
2: Yeah, And we've already seen on the fan team Discord people asking questions about it. I mean people who are like seen as almost gods in the fantasy um, season long uh, Premier League contest. And are asking questions because they want to get involved. It's another season long, but it's NFL and they don't know what they, they, they don't really know the players or anything. So this is the sort of thing we're here for. So what we're going to cover, you can hit us up on the socials, hit us up on the Discord. If you're not in the fantasy Discord, I recommend you join it. Go to the fantasy team website or their Twitter account and you can find the link there. And, yeah, and it's going to be, I think it's going to be fantastic to be, rather than, um, we're going to be looking at the whole big story of the season together, which is going to be great.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Before we do move on to the rules and the scoring, one thing that I did want to just mention for the listeners is, and we're really, really appreciative of this, but support for the Five Yard Rush Daily Fantasy Sports Show is brought to you by Manscaped. For those who haven't heard of Manscaped before, they are the best company out there in men's below the waist grooming manscaped offers precision engineered tools for your family jewels manscaped just launched their fourth generation trimmer the lawnmower 4.0 all across europe i don't know about you mag i did not have the first three lawnmowers but i certainly have the four and i absolutely love it i feel like i've been neglecting the never region um but it's absolutely fantastic it does exactly what it says on the tin. And this is something that, you know, if you've used the old regular shaver and stuff like that in the past, which I know I have done, this just makes your life so much easier. It protects those important areas. So absolutely get on board the Lawnmower 4.0. Join over 2 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped with this exclusive offer for you you will get 20% off and free worldwide shipping using the code 5yard at manscaped.com. That's 5yard at manscaped.com for 20% off and free worldwide shipping. Do not miss out on this offer. It is a fantastic tool. I like to think of myself as a nice clean man mark and it certainly does help that.
2: Thank you for telling me in so much detail. <laughs>
1: <laughs> no secrets between is, us, Mark. Yeah,
2: clearly not, or anybody's listening. Um, you, you didn't even mention the light. I mean, that 4000K LED light, if you get stuck in a cave somewhere or something, that light could be very useful.
1: Listen, I could talk about this all day. The, the, the light is just one of many features, the different trim settings, the ceramic blade, I could talk about it all day. The wireless charging really appears to me, appeals to me even. I hate wires, so love the wireless charging. But yeah, get on board with the lawnmower 4.0. I would argue it is better than my actual lawnmower.
2: <laughs> uh,
1: it probably costs more as well. Well, maybe <laughs> so. but I do have an expensive lawnmower, so
2: <laughs> Should we save that for another pod?
1: yes yes we will
2: just we the, can compare lawn yeah <laughs> <laughs> like for your lawn <laughs>
1: uh, Mark, the season-long contest let's talk rules first of all is there mm. anything that stands out to you in the rules that you think should be pointed out anything that you have noticed where you think oh that's that's an interesting
2: one mm. so i think Anybody who's played any sort of season-long game will find most of the rules fairly standard. I think the main interest to me is the fact you've got two trans- free transfers every week. Mm. Now, that seems that seems necessary, doesn't it, with all the injuries in the sport and bye weeks, etc. Um, but when we talk about strategy, that will, the fact there's only two free transfers every week will actually impact on how we construct our teams. You can also yeah. carry forward one transfer as well so you can have three three free transfers in a week and i think this is going to open up the ability to stack more than i thought initially when i looked at this when i looked at the um sort of strategies and roster construction so again we're going to talk about stacking aren't we a little bit later We well, are. Yeah. yeah and there's one wild card available and i don't know about you nick but i still and wild card means basically you can just revamp your whole team with no cost in terms of points. I don't know about Unique, but I'm really not sure exactly when that would be best to be used at the moment. I haven't got a plan for that right now.
1: Yeah, I'm the same. I think the transfers, you know, the the fact that you can carry one forward and make three in itself is almost like a miniature wildcard. It's, you know, you, you you can almost change half of your team that with one week's worth of transfers. One thing with the rules, Mark, with the scoring, if we exceed the transfers, I'm right in
2: saying there will be a penalty. There will be. I, there's actually nothing on the rules about that right this second. but
1: I know that there is in the Premier League season yeah. long. I think there is a penalty of minus four for each move we'll get a bit more clarity on that and we can always clear it up on yeah. next week's pod. But yeah, I've no doubt you'll be able to make more transfers than that, but will come at a penalty if you do so. So I suppose it's that risk reward, whether you feel it's worth taking that hit, whether you feel that the person you're bringing in is going to more yeah. than make up that hit.
2: And the other thing I should have mentioned was the fact you can only have three players from one team. So, and obviously and very high price stack is your Mahomes, Hill, Kelsey stack. And I was sort of completely um, dismissing that idea until I realised you could carry forward one transfer to have three transfers. Because obviously on their bye week, you would use all three transfers for them. Um, So yeah, yeah, just an example. I think there's obviously other teams which offer more value to stack like that. But definitely the three possible transfers in one week does slightly change how I'm thinking about my teams.
1: Yeah. I think with the one interesting thing with the wild card is I think a good time to potentially use it is if you feel that you can benefit from changing maybe four or five pieces of your team whereby the fixtures are either going to become really difficult or are going to clear up. So just an example off the top of my head, we know that David Montgomery had a nice little you know, six, seven game run towards the end of last season where he was going off every week, scoring really well. But that was a, a group of games that, you know, you could see that it wasn't great run defenses he was going to come up against. And that is maybe where to target using a wild card is if you feel that there is a bit of a fixture swing whereby you can take advantage of that either with a stack or by changing four, five, six pieces of your team. That might be a good time to use it.
2: And also, towards the end of the season, you're going to know who are the good run defenses and who are the mm. good pass defenses. We're not going to know that the first six weeks of the season yeah absolutely so you, you definitely will see that there'll be teams that look either very good at something, whether that be run defense, pass defense, run offense, pass offense in week one, and then will look awful in week two at the same thing, because yeah. that happens every year, doesn't it It does
1: and what I would say is well don't beat yourself up if you score poorly one week this is This is fantasy football you've almost got to be a little bit patient, trust your process and trust your reasoning as to why you have included someone in your team. If you've got Keenan Allen in your team in week one and Keenan Allen catches three balls on five or six targets for 40 yards and no touchdown, that's not a reflection of Keenan Allen's output week on week. Sometimes you've just got to be patient. If you've put someone in there and they're there for a group of games, three, four, five games, however long it might be, be patient. You're not going to score phenomenal every week in this kind of um, contest or in, in American football fantasy, because it just doesn't always work like that. There are some players where it does, you know, Derek Henry and people like that, to name a few who seem to go off almost every week, but it doesn't always happen. So just trust your process, be patient, your results will come, you know, just think back to why you chose to have that person in your team to begin with.
2: Completely. You talking about Keenan Allen made me, me realise we should probably talk about the scoring system a little bit as well before we go too much further into detail. Absolutely. Um, it's standard, what we call standard points per reception, so PPR, which means you get a point for every time a receiver or a running back catches the ball. The long and short of it is you just you get more points f- for the passing game. Your running backs who catch the ball out of the backfield get more points as well. And we're going to point you in the direction of those sorts of running backs and stuff. but as nick says so well you nobody know can predict the future. and this is so true with, with with the nfl because every time you think something's going to happen is an absolute usually the opposition is doing all they can in, in their planning for that week to stop that happening. now they don't always succeed i'm sure every defensive coordinator who's come up against derek henry last year said i don't want him to run for 200 yards but still needs to manage it quite a lot. But yeah, don't, don't, let, don't let anybody convince you about anything is absolute and anything is definitive. Uh, things like the David Montgomery stretch last year, actually, I think was, it was obvious. And lots of people said it. We said it on our pod. I think we said it on the mm-hmm. one where Murph came on, actually. I think he picked it out as well. Um, but I think that's quite rare for us to be so accurate about that. Because he averaged almost like 28 ppr points per week in that four or five game stretch to for us to be that you know confident and that um and for that to be that to be exactly how we predicted it would go is actually quite rare and that's true of any fantasy analyst yeah and i think um i think sometimes people get caught too much in these absolutes and you know just something to bear in mind like nick said week one's not the end of the end of the world really isn't Keenan Allen's not going to do well in week one anyway, because it's up against Washington. So, um, but he's going to do very well the rest of the season.
1: Yeah, absolutely. That Washington defense holding up there, Mac. <laughs> one of the things you mentioned with the scoring there is PPR, which is important. I think to remember what, in what kind of impact PPR has now, because there is different levels of scoring in fantasy, sometimes half point PPR, for example, There's certain players for me that I will absolutely be looking to target in this kind of format because of the additional scoring you will get from PPR. I think you can really exploit that scoring in terms of your receivers, for example. Or if you are looking at a running back, look at a running back that's going to see activity out of the backfield. Just as an example of the impact PPR can have, Stefan Diggs had the most regular season receptions last year with 127. Now, if his point scoring was half point PPR versus full point PPR, you've got a difference of 63 and a half points over the course of the season, which in and of itself might not sound like a huge amount. But if that is the kind of player that you're potentially going to hold throughout the season, which you may well do. Stefan Diggs He's probably going to be a top three, at least top five receiver again. You know, those 63.5 points, that could be a big advantage for you come the end of the season.
2: Oh, completely. I mean, if you look, I've been looking at some projections from a five-yard team over the weekend and 63 points would be a large percentage of most receivers, Mm. Um, like 25% of most receivers' projection for the season, so...
1: So, it's something absolutely to think about when you're choosing your receiver. Think about your projection. Think about who you feel will see the most activity on that team. Does that person have a clear route to receptions? Is there anything stopping them potentially breaking that 100 reception barrier as a team brought someone in? Have they drafted someone? These are the kind of questions you need to be asking when you're selecting your team and the same with the running back as well. If you're happy to pay for a running back that is just going to run the ball every week, there's nothing wrong with you doing that. But I would absolutely urge people to consider those running backs that do see activity and work out of the backfield to accompany with those, you know, those rushing yards and those rushing touchdowns that you want from a running back as well.
2: Basically, talking here about Derek Henry and Nick Chubb. I think in terms of top running backs who are not PPR, don't get many receptions, and but they're still great players. Derek Henry has been the top player for how many years now. Um, but you do touch on something which I think is a really great point, especially for people who are just starting off who feel like they're beginning in this stuff. And I don't know whether this might seem like quite a controversial thing to say, especially on a fantasy podcast. But I don't think there's any, there's no such thing as a bad lineup. I really don't think if you if you're picking a starting quarterback and a starting running back and receivers are on the field for seventy percent of the plays, etc. You know, and then tight ends are funny position. That's why we're going to talk about that separately. If you're doing all those things, then that's a good lineup to me. I've seen people asking, "Is this a good lineup? Is this a good lineup?" And in people who don't know, who claim they don't know anything about uh, the NFL or American football or fantasy American football, and yeah these lineups look great. So I could, you know, you could happily play them and stuff. I just, I think probably what's going to be more important here isn't necessarily the lineup you pick in week one. It's going to be you learning to adapt and spotting the David Montgomery's as in the players who have got that run of five or six games against really bad defenses. And that's again, something we're going to help you with, I think on these pods.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. Completely agree with you, Mark. And I think, the the fact that this is a budget based game where you have a set amount of budget to build your team like you said you're not going to build a bad lineup because those funds if you distribute them evenly throughout your team you're going to have a you're going to have a strong team on paper and if you don't distribute them evenly amongst your team you're still going to have strengths within that team that that's how budget based you know, squad building works. So if you're gonna spend a lot of your budget in your receivers, you're gonna be scoring points from your receivers every week. This is the NFL. It it won't come as a surprise when the likes of Devontae Adams and you know your AJ Browns and your Stefan Diggs again, top the receiving charts, it won't come as a surprise to anyone because there's not that much that's changed in the dynamic from last season to this season. So you will build a good lineup, but like you said, what will set you out from others is your forward planning with this, looking at what games are coming up. Is there a group of games where I can bring someone in who he might not be the same price point. You might be taking out a running back that's worth 17 million and bringing in a running back that's 15 million. Don't feel like you need to use up all of your budget because if you feel that you're bringing someone in whereby you can capitalize from a run of games and you expect that running back to score well in those games, bring him in if that's what's the best thing for your team at that time.
2: Completely. You've actually, and also you touched upon a little bit of a roster construction point, which I thought was worth discussing here is like like you say, if you evenly distribute your your money across your team you're going to end up with mainly players with average around 15 16 million in the positions and that's fine but it's also equally viable to buy a few more expensive players of so the 19s and 20 millions and what that does allow you to do is if you need to make a transfer those funds are all available to you so to give you an example, if you if you've got a 17 million pound running back and you want to put in a 19 million pound running back, you need to find two million from another transfer somewhere. Okay. If you've got a 19 million pound running back and you want to put a different 19 million pound running back, you don't have to find those funds. So this starts and scrubs, as it's called, sort of lineup is another viable roster construction. There's no there's no set roster construction that's going to win. You know, what One will win, obviously, but it's not like there's only one way, only one path to victory in this. Yeah. Absolutely.
1: And I think what you touched on there as well, Mark, is where you will see more of the fantasy Premier League element coming into this game because there might be a player that you're targeting for a run of fixtures. And to get to that player, you might need to free up four or five million So you're going to have to think, you're going to have to make a decision who you do and don't want in your team or who you are willing to sacrifice to get that person into your team. Save those transfers. And if it means using two or three transfers, even four transfers to get to that point where you need to get to, this is where the planning element will come in. And this is where your budget distribution may change throughout the season. But if it is going to change, it's changing for a reason. It's changing because you might feel that you can't live without Travis Kelsey and you need to find three or 4 million from somewhere else within your team. By that point, there might be an emerging wide receiver. There might be a running back injury whereby you can slot someone in at a budget price and free up those funds. So it's going to be an ever changing dynamic as we know it always is in the NFL.
2: Yeah. And on that point, actually, historically speaking, Wide receiver value doesn't appear as often as running back value, I don't think. As in, we often see a starting running back go down, his backer come in and gets as much volume as the starting running back. It's quite rare if a wide receiver one or two goes down that another wide receiver steps up to the same volume. What usually happens is it gets distributed to the previous wide receiver one or the running back or the tight end one, whatever. So... Yeah, that's, that's, that's another thing you need to think about in terms of your roster construction is the fact that you want you kind of want to have pools of money available to you, I think. Yeah. If so, I mean, like, playing around with some constructions for me, my favourite all seem to have a very high-priced, one high price at least one high-priced running back, one high-priced wide receiver, and one high-priced quarterback. Because that way, if something goes wrong... I can move to other high-priced players.
1: It's almost giving you price points throughout your team where you've got mm-hmm. that flexibility then to move.
2: Yeah, completely. But but on the face of it, it doesn't look as good as some of these balanced teams we're seeing. Mm. Where people are spending 17 million or 18 million as their highest player. So obviously this is a new competition. So we're all kind of guessing as we go along in terms of what's gonna work and what isn't gonna work. But these are things which I've which I'm certainly thinking about. And I'm definitely personally sort of heading towards the stars and scrub star lineups cross construction at the moment. I'll have more, more I'll have more than one lineup, so they won't exclusively be that, that's for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think I think we both agreed before the pod because we've tried it, two tight ends is definitely out. Yes, for me. Absolutely. And for me too. Now, please, somebody prove us wrong and win the tournament with two tight ends all the way through the season. But like, we can't, I can't make it work for week one in a way I'm really happy. Yeah. So, and also if somebody has a lineup like that, which I think is really good, please let us know on the socials. Yeah. I'd love to see how that's going to work.
1: Yeah. I've, I mean, I've seen a few lineups out there. Jack Humphrey springs to mind with the lineups. He's had a couple of two tight end lineups he's put out there. But I'm with you on that, Mark. I feel for what you would need to spend to get to effective tight end, shall we say? And we know the variance that we get from that position outside of the maybe the top three or four every year. I think it's a difficult position to to invest that money into and. Hit on two budget tight ends, I think if you 're going to use that roster construction, you absolutely have to have a travis Kelsey, a George Kittle, a Darren Waller, and a n other to go alongside them you 're going to need a dead sir at tight end if you 're either punting that position or you go all in at that position, and if you do want the two tight end construction, then by all means go with a second tight end that you think has a high ceiling and maybe will have a breakout season
2: but for me the two budget options doesn't work there No completely and what you've got to remember remember is that the scoring for a tight end is effectively they're effectively like wide wide receivers on this system so if you're looking at say a 14 million pound tight end and you're looking at a 14 million pound wide receiver they're effectively the same player even though they're different positions and the pricing on this on this game, you definitely get more value out of the £40 million receiver.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I think when you actually look at tight end activity, even looking back to last season, Mark, there was two tight ends that had 100 receptions or over 100 receptions. That was Travis Kelsey and Darren Waller. Outside of Travis Kelsey and Darren Waller, Logan Thomas was then the next highest receptions with 72 But then you start dropping off a bit of a cliff. You get a 67 in there. You get a 63. But even down to, let's say, tight end eight, or tied for tight end eight last season in PPR, you've got Rob Rob Gronkowski and Noah Fant, one of which had 45 receptions. So that just shows, you know, if you are going to go budget in this for a tight end, pick one tight end that you think has the potential to be a top five tight end if you're going to go too tight end for me pick an expensive one and pick a budget one if you're going to go too tight end with two budget it's absolutely pointless i think you're just splitting your budget almost evenly between two tight ends who have absolutely no certainty of workload
2: yeah, you might as well buy a lottery ticket but at that point and yeah
1: Absolutely, um, absolutely. Funny enough,
2: Logan Thomas is actually the eighth, eighth priced. You know, in the tight end eight in the list of pricing, at fourteen million. Yeah. So maybe he is a good a good price after what you said. Especially as Noah Fant's the same price. Mm. Based on based on the figures you just said, so there's an example. Um, yeah. Ru- so Ru- one thing I would say about tight end. And this is just a me thing, I know, but I do not get all the love for TJ Hawkinson every year. (laughs) I don't get it. He's the tight end six on team at 15 million. I don't get it. I
1: think I can see the appeal because I think his workload will increase this season. That said, I think what you have to worry about there is his quarterback has regressed. So he's gone from Matt Stafford to Jared Goff. Um, You're so bitter, Nick. You're yeah. so, bitter. <laughs> so I think you know you've got to factor that in as well. Yes, he might see more targets. Yes, he might have more receptions. Um, I think Detroit will be throwing the ball in most of the games. I think that's that just with game script. I think that's how it will go for them. There isn't a great deal at receiver, but. Then again, there could be an emergence there from an Armin Ross sent Brown, for example, or a Cephas, something like that. You know, someone could emerge as a wide receiver one in Detroit, shock us all, shock the world. And TJ Hawkinson might have another season where he trundles through with 65, 70 receptions and 175 fantasy points scored at the end of the season. And if you are paying, 15 million for someone to score 175 fantasy points you're probably going to be a little bit disappointed
2: in this format Oh completely I mean Irv Smith was going to be my play until he's got injured yesterday or the day before so now the tight end position is just if you're not taking one of the top four as in Kelsey Kitt or or Andrews and I know you like Carl Pitt's but he's number five on the um, pricing. Uh, And anybody who listened to our preview show knows how much I don't try and play rookies in fantasy. Um, But after that, it's just so random and it's anybody's guess who's going to be, who's going to actually sort of break up, break in, you know, break out this year.
1: While we are on the topic of tight ends, Mark, And before we come back to the overall roster construction, I know one thing that we've discussed offline is around where we're going with tight end and whether we feel it's worthwhile paying up for a Darren Waller, for example. Now I feel that Darren Waller is well-priced at 16.5 considering what we know from the last two seasons um, that he is essentially wide receiver one in Auckland, but I get the feeling that you had a different opinion on it.
2: Oh, he's—I think he's more of a weekly monster play, to be honest with you, because he—he he has these games, doesn't he, where he suddenly blows up, um, and then he has other games where he sort of vanishes, and the fact he did so well. Amongst tight ends kind of shows how that position goes. If you're not Kelsey, who's pretty consistent, Kelsey is very consistent actually, and and I don't necessarily consider Waller to be consistent in his fantasy scoring. I think he's very good. Part of the reason is because obviously the um, Vegas offense isn't; it just isn't as good as say Kelsey's in in, the, in, in um, Kansas City. But that's um but then whose is? Yeah, I don't if you if I'm going down to sixteen and a half million, I think there's other options I'd go down for and save the money and use them at receiver. Because the pricing is so so tight and brutal here. I personally would do that. So for me, it's literally Kelsey, or I'm going down to a Logan Thomas at fourteen, or I'm going down to a a pump player around ten or eleven. Yeah. That's the way I see it.
1: I actually really like the pricing with Darren Waller, and he's in one of my lineups at the moment. Um, I do like that when you drop those funds elsewhere, you do get a really strong balance, or you can potentially go premium at a position like quarterback, rather than looking at someone around the the 18 or 17.5 region. However, um, I think what you see from Darren Waller his last two seasons I mean last season there was an uptick so we had 90 receptions in 2019 107 receptions last year Um, you know 145 targets and I'm, I'm pointing those specifics out because we know it is PPR one of the things that one of his upward trends last year was his touchdown output. So that held him back in 2019. He only had three. He had nine last year. I think if you're getting him again at 100 receptions with even six or seven touchdowns, I think he is great value. He's. I don't think he'll score as well as Travis Kelsey this year, but he wasn't a million miles away from Travis Kelsey
2: last year. No. And because I knew this would come up I did a little bit of research comparing him, his output last year with the receivers and receivers at the same price as him. You know, because as I said, the tight ends are basically wide receivers just at a different position. And actually they've priced him really well. He, he pretty much was in the right place he should be sort of around Woods, Thielen, Johnson, Cooper and Evans. I think one of those was above him, but yeah. Yeah, they've priced him pretty well. So that price is fine. I just, it's um, just, just not for me. No. I just, I always, I prefer my lineups where I don't have an expensive tight end. So
1: for you, Mark, the tight end plan is Kelsey or budget. Yeah.
2: Kelsey or bust, yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, Kelsey or punt. Yes. And this is, you know. For, Anybody who plays redraft. I think this is you know streaming the tight end position, as they call it, which basically means playing, picking a different one each week, and you know finding somebody off the waiver. It's a viable option, isn't it? And Absolutely. Of people have won one leagues that way, and I have a funny feeling that that's where I, how I'm going to end up going. Because um, yeah, there's lots of good value. I think under twelve million if you pick the right one, which sounds obvious.
1: Well, we've, we've seen it. We, we've seen, you, you know, big man Murph writes a great tight end streaming article season on season. There's a section in the playbook all about that. I think it's a really good option. One thing you've got to be mindful of with this is if you're using that as a strategy, the difference is with waivers, you unlimited waiver claims or potentially if, if that is capped in a league um you, you're probably not going to exceed the wave cap within a week i wouldn't have thought unless you've got absolutely catastrophic injuries throughout your team but in this format one thing i would just be mindful of if you are employing a tight end streaming kind of strategy is that you're going to have to burn one transfer a week or every couple of weeks for that and that again just feed that into your planning when you're considering who you're going to put at this position. If you're going to stream a tight end, maybe look for a small block of games, two or three games where you're happy to have that guy and then move him on, I think is is the best route to go if you stream him.
2: Yeah, especially as like injuries are so prevalent and it makes such a difference. And as we know, the teams, the players you're picking from, the pool you're picking from at the beginning of the season is very different to the second half of the season, partly because rookies come through. And partly because of injuries, and um, so yeah, it's. I'm not saying it's well. I'm I'm not saying it's the best option. Yeah, I'm just I'm I'm kind of hoping to find some obvious, cheap value before week one.
1: Yeah, um,
2: but yeah,
1: roster construction, Mark. So one thing that is quite interesting with how you can build your lineup here is you can build it with four wide receivers. You can build it with two tight ends, as we've touched on, and you can build it with three running backs so it's essentially choosing one of the three options there I know that you've got a couple of lineups together and I have as well of the two lineups I've put together I have one that has two running backs, I have one that has three running backs what's your thought process on the roster construction?
2: I've got, I've got exactly the same as you if you go with obviously running back value has now opened up a little bit Yeah. Uh, James Robinson is the obvious one. There might be some value with Daryl Henderson if he's going to be fit enough to play week one. He's had a thumb injury. Um, Sony Michel might potentially as well. And I think he's only 10 million, isn't he? He is 10 million. I think that's a great price because I think he'll certainly get touches. Yeah. Um, So that has opened up the option for three running backs more, I think. And definitely as the season goes on, you'll find more become available. The thing about the top running backs, like your, your um, McCaffrey's Cooks um, and the Kamara's, is they are just the best plays. And if you can get them in your team, they are the most consistent. They're the guys who are going to get 20 touchdowns in this season. You know, so... The generally speaking historic, and again, historically speaking, the top running backs tend to be more consistent and less boom and bust than the receivers, I think. Um, yeah, so, so I'm definitely go heading towards the three running back if I can. Uh, but I'm gonna probably have different, different style of construction.
1: Yeah, I Same think, issues. I think what I what I like about the re- the four receivers is I think you can have three really productive wide receiver ones and a punt receiver, someone that you think has a, a, p- a potential for a breakout season or will contribute because it isn't a deep receiver pool that they're a part of. I think pre-season, you have to be mindful of pre-season with things like that because you don't always get the starters playing for most teams, and I think someone in preseason can look really good. We've seen it in the past, and then they're a non-factor in the season. So, be careful with hype on that, I would say. But what I like about the three running back option is, like you said, Mark, there's some really interesting options that have emerged. Sony Michelle at ten million. Whether Sony Michelle is your cup of tea or not, you know. This is someone who has played in a Super Bowl. He's been at the Patriots for a few seasons now. I have a feeling that the Rams have brought him in, certainly not to sit on the sideline. I think he he does have a role in the offense, and I think he's the kind of running back that Sean McVay likes. We saw it when he brought in CJ Anderson a couple of seasons back. Um, Obviously, Part of that was to do with Gurley's knee as well. It emerged to the season after, but I think when you've got someone there at ten million who might give you ten or fifteen touches a game potentially, and with Daryl Henderson's past injury history, uh, where he struggled to stay on the field for a consistent period of time, some you know if you can pay ten million for almost an every day running back. You know fantastic. We, we saw JK Dobbins go down, Gus Edwards at 12 million. If the Ravens don't bring anyone in, Gus Edwards is an interesting play because we know that Gus Edwards gets goal line touches. So it might not be a case of your running backs giving you 80 plus yards rushing every week. But if you're going to get those goal line touches and you're getting him at a fairly budget price, I think you know it's, it's a good it's a good route to go down. It's a good option to have. I really like the James Robinson price at 14. And um, what I do like about the two running back scenario is I feel if you, if you're going to go with two running backs, I feel like you can go really premium with one. And then the fact that James Robinson is sat there at 14 million, it's an easy second running back for me that it's, it's a really premium running back plus James Robinson, And you make an interesting point with McCaffrey and Kamara, Mark. You know, McCaffrey is consensus 101 in almost all fantasy drafts. If he's on the board, as long as it isn't a super flex league, you're taking Kamara at one. uh, Not Kamara, sorry, McCaffrey. Uh, Kamara won't be far behind in mind, but you're taking McCaffrey at one. And I think if you can get that person, you know, someone like McCaffrey, in your team where you know he's going to have the rushing yards he's he's going to have the, the receptions and the receiving yards he's going to have the touchdown volume his team is essentially built around him you know if we get a healthy season out of Saquon Barkley Saquon Barkley is a great price at 18 you know then these are the things that will emerge you know that it's i suppose this is where you've got to be adaptable with this but i think like i said with the with the running backs i think if you're fitting three in i think you've got a, a really good you've you've got a a good balance shall we say you've got two running backs that should be the running back one for the team and then potentially a running back who is 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 essentially in your team because the there's been an injury to the likes of jk dobbins for example or akame cuz if you're going to go two running backs for me, go premium with one and then maybe look at James Robinson for the other 14 is a great price.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, James Robinson is easily the best option out of all of those cheaper running backs, I think. However, <laughs> because, I, because I always have to, have to be sceptical about these things, I probably don't have as much confidence as, as a lot of people do in the Jags offence this year as a whole. Um, I also think I also think the other thing to bear in mind about this now, James Robertson, 14, should be should be, an every down back, although Carlos Hyde, I think, is probably going to impact on that a bit. You can find for forty million, you can find receivers who will be on the field pretty much every play. That's, I think, that's a big difference as well. That's something to bear in mind like the Daryl Henson, Sonny Michels. I mean, don't be wrong, the Rams' offense is probably one of the few who could actually support two fantasy viable running backs. You know, we've seen that in the past as well. And, um, but if you're, if you're paying, say, if you're going to play, say, t- um, Sony Michel for 10 million, without really knowing his workload, there are definitely receivers who are going to, once the cuts are done to the rosters, which is tomorrow, I think, there's going to be players who will be on the field a lot more than him. Mm. It doesn't necessarily mean they're going to get more fantasy points, but it definitely means they've got more opportunities. Yeah. And so that's something to bear in mind with those lower price. It's true about all those lower price players. But yeah, I think if you're gonna play two running backs, you have to play one premium. Um, I just, I can't for me, I just like my lineups with two premiums, at least. At least. Um, I've I've made lineups I like with three premiums as well, as in Ekler as the third. Um, but you know, all these all these running backs are talking about but they're all injury-prone like everybody else. You know, Kamara, McCaffrey, Dalvin Cook, they all missed some time last year. Ekler as well. Um, Zeke, he's missed time as well. Um, so, yeah, there's there's plenty of question marks. Just because they're expensive, these running backs, doesn't make them, you know, in, you know um, not prone to injury and stuff. Derek Henry is the one who's sort of maintained fitness, the best out of all the top running backs, I think. Yeah, I would agree with that. Hmm. Looking at the list here, every else has pretty much had time out. It's yeah. uh, it's a volatile
1: position. We know that because it's a physically demanding position. Um, you know, when you look at the top ten scorers in PPI last year, not many of the names will come as a surprise. James Robinson was the obvious surprise as an undrafted free agent, but most of the names amongst the ten won't come as a surprise it's the next 11 to 20 where you look at some of the names in there and you think, wow, you know, the likes of J.D. McKissick, Naeem Hines. And it's these kind of players where it it only takes, we always say at market, oh, it only takes one injury. Um, You know, we've talked about it when we've played DraftKings and good flex options sometimes. We've said, you know, the likes of, um, the, the likes of Naeem Hines and, and even even an Alexander Matteson because the, the Vikings could absolutely blow a team out of the water. They're not going to keep Dalvin Cook on the field so suddenly Alexander Matteson becomes a good player in a season long contest maybe not but it only takes Dalvin Cook to pull up lame with his hamstring which has happened in the past suddenly Alexander Matteson at 11.5 is looking like an absolute must own in your team
2: yeah, completely, and uh, and this will happen during the season. This will undoubtedly happen. Uh, you look at the if you look at the first page of those running backs, you know, eighty percent of those I think are going to have some time off, if not if not all of them at some point they'll have a week off. I mean, other than a buy mm. due to an injury and stuff, and um, yeah, but that's another reason why I like playing for premium running backs because once that happens, you've then got pretty much all the running backs available to you as a replacement. So if you pick your James Robertson of 14 million and he gets injured, your options are limited to do a mm. on one-on-one transfer there. You know? So that's why I kind of like that. But you know, we're talking about roster construction here. If you if you had if you had to put all that extra money into the running back position, you'd have a lot less for your wide receiver position. Mm.
1: Uh, yeah. And that is one of the things I like about the the 3 with the, the 2 not necessarily a premium but you know someone around the Austin Eckler value James Robinson plus a, you know a, a bit of a punt if you will at Sony Michelle at 10 and the receivers you can then put in your lineup it's it's an embarrassment of riches almost because you've got three absolute standout wide receiver ones then with a, a fairly a fairly good potential breakout candidate with your wide receiver four, or someone who will at least get a decent enough target share to get you some good points potentially as home run ability to take it to the end zone at any time, given, you know, any given time during a game might be someone that's playing out of the slot. So, you know, I I do like that it gives you that kind of roster construction potential as well with the three running backs, Without the premium, get what you're saying, Mark. You know, having that premium price point makes it very easy then to move your roster around. I suppose if you do own, let's say, three premium receivers, you can always take one of those receivers to free up the the budget. It means you're making two transfers, but that's that's you. Let's be honest, we're going to have to do that throughout this this season. It, it's you know, you most weeks you're probably going to be making one, maybe two transfers, I think, in your team.
2: Yeah, oh, definitely. And um, once we get to week, I think, it is it week five this year with a bye week start? I think it's there. Then, um, and this is something which, um, you know, people just playing this first time won't, won't necessarily understand is every team has something called a bye week where they don't play for a week. And so you need to be able to plan for those because your players won't score points on that week when they're on their bye week. Yeah, no subs. And so, yeah, and there's no subs here, there's no bench, so you need to plan for that so, so I think they go from weeks five to thirteen this year the bye weeks or something like that. Yeah. yeah. So you'll there'll always be somebody missing. Week seven is a particularly tough one because there's lots of good fantasy teams off on week seven. Seems like every best ball league I drafted just had almost all week seven bye week players. Um, so yeah that's something you do need to bear in mind. Yeah when you're when you're when you're doing this. But um yeah I think um, as I said at the beginning though, there's no right or wrong answer here with the roster construction. Although we both think the two tight end roster isn't going to work, but um, yeah, there is no right or wrong and it would, I'm sure it will change. You don't have to keep it the same, mm. you know, you know, you can change during the season from to three running backs. Yeah. Um, so um, yeah, it's, um, it's going to be interesting to see how that, how that evolves especially for the top players.
1: Stacking, Mark. So mm-hmm. we know that in, if we're playing, say, the DraftKings weekly, weekly slate or even the weekly monster on fan team, we know that stacking is a really good, it's a really good strategy or tactic to have because you potentially are targeting, say, three players, two, two to three players from one team that if one of those players does well the other ones will do well an example being um the green Bay stack for example you might have Aaron Rodgers you might have Aaron Jones you might have Devontae Adams if Aaron Rodgers does well there's a high chance that Devontae Adams and Aaron Jones will do well because Devontae Adams is basically Aaron Rodgers wide receiver one Aaron Jones is basically wide receiver number two in Green Bay. And there's
2: no other wide receivers in Green Bay. <laughs> no, basically
1: not. So you know that, that's an example of a stack and how that can work well in
2: a weekly contest. What's your thoughts on stacking in the season long? So my initial thoughts were not to worry about it, as in not to try and get a stack in because of the bye week issue. But Knowing now that there's three potentially you can have three transfers in one week if you save a transfer, then it then it's a bit more viable. What you've got to remember is if you have three players from the same team and you use all three transfers in one week to take them out, you can't put all three of them back in again the following week. So if you have the, the sort of the big stack of Mahomes, Hill, and Kelsey, which um, is a you know pretty much a standard stack in um, weekly DFS even if you can transfer them out nicely and easily for their bye week you can't get all three of them back in the following week. It's going to take you at least two weeks to get them in. So I'm not going to, I'm not going to actively avoid it, but I'm not going to particularly um, try to, try to stack. But there are some places, there are some obvious to me, a couple of obvious light, like, you know, cheap stacks you can, you can you know you can use um atlanta's always a good one because um matt ryan's receivers have always been a good stacking team and uh, and so are the um vikings as well because and the reason these are a little bit like and like green bear as well because they've got a very limited amount of um uh, limited places targets go i mean not so much not so much atlanta actually out of those examples they just throw the ball a lot or they have historically um, so you know, but if you're looking at stacking and you've you, and you've never done this before, teams to look at are like Vikings, Atlanta, um, Green Bay, Kansas City. Anybody else you think would be a really good stack? I I'm thinking three pieces. I'm thinking three pieces, not just two. Yeah, obviously I, Josh Allen, Stefan Diggs is great as well.
1: Yeah, yeah, and uh, I feel um, I was going to suggest the Rams. Um, partly yeah, bias. Historically, a good one. Yeah, well. partly bias, and it may still be a good stack if Daryl Henderson or Sony Michelle emerges a, a running back one. But the, but the good thing with the Ram stack is it can actually be a really good stack if you just go with the the, the two main wide receivers: Wood, Woods, Cup, and and Stafford. Now, this this season, I think for me, the the stacking on paper looks really appealing. If I looked at my team and I had Kelsey, Mahomes and Hill, it would look really appealing. However, I think if I am to stack, it will probably be one stack, two players max, because I just don't want the... For me, it's the it's the pre-planned transfers, Mark. I, I don't really want to... Have two transfers, three transfers eaten up. That I absolutely have to plan and know that for that one week, if I'm going to keep these players until their bye week, I'm going to have to burn those transfers on that week. For me, I think in this format, it just limits you a little bit because chances are you'll get to that bye week and suddenly there'll be an, there'll be an injury elsewhere in your team, and you'll think. If only I had another transfer. So for me, I think the most I'm willing to stack in this is a two person stack, and I think it'll be it'll be those similar kind of scenarios that you mentioned. For example, um, you know, and and Aaron Rodgers, Devontae Adams, Matt Stafford, Cooper Cup, um, you know, Justin Jefferson. Uh, I can't see myself owning owning. Kirk Cousins at quarterback to be honest but a Delving, Delving Cook Justin Jefferson or Adam Thielen so th- that kind of stack I'm not opposed to because I think it's it's probably easier to manage and it might only it might not seem like much with it just being one extra player in a three-player stack but I just don't like the idea of if I'm going to keep them until a bye week for example it's a problem I'm going to have to deal with then without any flexibility to move anything else around elsewhere. I suppose the only issue with a stack, as well, is in daily fantasy sports, you stack because you think that, that that team and that player for that one weekend they're going to have a really good game. Now, if you've got a lineup with three players and they don't have a good game, you're, you're pretty much burning points for that week if you diversified across a couple of different teams, there's a chance then that, you know, especially the kind of players that we could be looking at. If you've got a balanced team, I think your your balanced point scoring will feel a little bit more appealing in this kind of format. You'll want your big hitters still. You'll want your premium players. But I think for me, the key to this and the key to fancy Premier League, for example, is You have those high price point players, but then throughout the rest of your team, how your team is constructed, you'll have a good balance where you might have a cheaper player, but that cheaper player might slightly outperform his
2: value. Yeah, I think, um, I also think towards the end of the season, if you're in a situation where you want to, you're kind of either just outside the money or you're thinking you're at the bottom of the money and you've got a chance to get to the top. Then you might, after all the bye weeks are over, you might want to stack then. You know, teams have got a really good end because by then you'll know who the top offences and defences are. So, you know, I think towards the end of the season, stacking might be more of a thing. Yeah. And then you could basically have three stacks. In theory, you could have three stacks of three teams. Yeah. And you're just banking on them running it and doing really well. At the could beginning, p- I wouldn't do it. I could potentially see myself wildcarding into
1: a stack, Mark. If, for example, I knew that a team had had the bye week already and we had, say, a six to seven game run into the playoffs where they had a favourable schedule, I could absolutely see myself wildcarding to get a three-player stack at that stage. Um, would I be happy about it right now? Maybe not in principle, but I could see it happening, especially if the there is a clear path to, you know, if, if 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 a team has a great running where it looks like out of the last eight games you expect them to win seven. I'm not potentially opposed to a stack then. Yeah. Well certainly not and, to start with, like you said.
2: Yeah, I think I think that's when stacking will become important. And we'll cover that on the pod when teams we potentially see that with. Yeah, you're absolutely right. Obviously, whether to use it or not will depend on your situation, where you're on league, obviously you're, how much you want to risk and stuff. Because like you say, with the great thing about stacks is when they, all, when they all do well, when one of them does well, they all do well. But when they all do badly, you know, they all do badly. And the other thing is, especially towards the end of the season, if you use your wild card up and, and you're stacking like that, is lots of times in the last, the last couple of weeks of the season, Teams rest players because they're already through to the playoffs and they're in position and stuff. Rest them for the, um, for the playoffs. With this extra week this year we've got, that potentially means there might be an extra week of them resting. Could be two weeks of resting players. Um, we don't know. It's the first season in the NFL I've had a 17-game regular season. So, um, so that's something we need to bear in. But again, we'll cover it on a pod a- each week as we go along, how things change. One thing that's for sure about everything we're talking about here – the lineup we choose on week one is not going to be a lineup on week eighteen, and so everything's you know, off, you know, up for discussion really.
1: Absolutely. Capping us off, Mark. We've spoke about quite a few players as as we've been on the pod this this evening. We'll go through position by position. I don't really want to touch on tight end again because I feel like we did cover that off quite a bit and we speak far too
2: much about tight ends
1: much. every single pod. It doesn't Um, matter
2: what what site we were playing with or whatever. (laughs) Far too much about tight ends.
1: Players of interest, um, anyone in the quarterback region that's
2: catching your eye? Well, what's interesting about the quarterback pricing is it's so condensed, isn't it? Mm. It like goes from twenty million down to what about? S- who's a viable start? Viable starter, maybe seventeen million is a viable fantasy starter down to Um So obviously we've spoken already about him. Kyler Murray is my favorite quarterback fantasy wise, nine and a half. I am if I need to save some Murray, I'm thinking about Joe Burrow. Mm,
1: eighteen.
2: Yeah, I think since I think the Bengals are going to be throwing the ball around a lot. Mm-hmm. You know, that's what I'm thinking about. I think down there, I do like the Burrow
1: price. Um, I think if I was going with anyone outside of the top three or four, I would probably be going with Joe Burrow or Matt Stafford. I think those are two... When you look at where Stafford's priced, he's priced... It's outside the top 12 in pricing. Um, I feel that he's on a team now where he... Well, I think he's just within the 12 looking at it. I don't want to count on the pod, but he is on a team where he has the potential to be a top 10 quarterback, for example. Joe Burrow has the throwing potential and the receivers at his disposal to potentially be a top 10 quarterback in this kind of format. So I think for me, that's the only, that's the only, I wouldn't probably go any lower than Burrow. Um, I know Matt Ryan is a, is a good throwing quarterback. And if Deshaun Watson was playing every single week and was on a better team at 17.5, I'd probably
2: go there. Um, It wouldn't be 17.5, though, would he? He'd be 20 million if he was on a... Oh, yeah, if he was on a better team, yeah, absolutely. If he was playing, even at Houston, he'd be up in the 19s, I
1: should think. I think Um, um, the only other one that potentially interests me a little bit lower down is Sam Darnold. If he hits the ground running in Carolina because he's got an embarrassment of riches there as well at his disposal at wide receiver and with Christian McCaffrey in the backfield taking a bit of the pressure off him, I think 16.5 could... I think he could massively outperform that.
2: And for people who don't know much about these players, the quarterback position is interesting because the sort of Josh Allen, Lamar Jackson, and Kyler Murray are kind of what are called cheat code quarterbacks because they run the ball as well, so they get points both for their passing and their running. And they both and all three of them score rushing touchdowns. Um, Mahomes just who's the other of the top four? He just passes more than everybody else, has scores more touchdowns. He does run a bit, it doesn't he? But he's not a massive runner, not like Alan Jackson or Murray. Yeah. Um, and and then the next sort of quarterback I would think who's could potentially be that, and whether he's going to end up being the starter at week one, we're not sure about, it, is Jalen Hurts at 18 and a half. Um, but those running style quarterbacks, those guys I mentioned, they do gain points from. Rushing the ball, which lots of quarterbacks don't, so that's something to bear in mind. And that's why, you know, if you're if you're a beginner, I kind of recommend buying one of the top four quarterbacks. Really, yeah. I think
1: one of my one of my thought processes with the quarterbacks, Mark, is what's the lowest I'm willing to go down to. Stafford and Joe Burrow at eighteen. Can I find the extra one point five to get myself to Kyler Murray Lamar Jackson? Yes, for me, that is the sensible route to go in that instance. It's not like finding four and a half million to go from, you know, the a fifteen mil tight end to Kelsey, for example. It's a it's a much shorter jump, and. That's where I would be more inclined to go. Just going to throw two names out there. Um, I just want to know whether you feel overpriced or underpriced. Mm-hmm. Um, okay.
2: Dak Prescott At 19. <laughs> if he, yeah, uh, if he's if he's if he's health fully healthy, then that's that's probably. It. It's it's probably still overpriced. I think actually, yeah. But he's not even fully healthy, is he? When I compare him to, so last year he started off the season on fire, didn't he? Um, before he got injured. So yeah, but he's not fully healthy. So I would say he's overpriced.
1: And the second one is Ben Ruffelsberger, seventeen mil. Ooh.
2: So he has the potential to have a very good. Um, Season doesn't he because he's got great receiving core? So I would say, comparison with some of the other people around him, like Derek Carr, um, I would say he's underpriced. Yeah, what do you think? Um, I think the data press got
1: pricings for 19. That um, wasn't an option though, was it? You said under Rover, yeah.
2: No, <laughs> He's fair price. That's why he's hard
1: he's, to decide. He's f- he's fair. And if I was if I was saying anything, I'd say I'd say over, but simply because he's coming back from a massive injury. Um, if we get the Dak Prescott that we're used to before the injury, how he started the season, then it's an absolutely great price. But I, it's, that's a wait and see for me, because again, great receivers at his disposal, pretty good. Offensive line, good running back. He's got everything you'd want in that offense out of a fantasy quarterback. So that's a wait and see for me, see how he gets on following his injury. Ben Roethlisberger, another one that really intrigues me at that price, 17. Like you said, he could massively outperform that. I think underpriced, actually, on Ben Roethlisberger. I don't think massively underpriced when you look at what's around him. But I do think a little bit underpriced because, again, I think situation in Pittsburgh, Najee Harris comes in, suddenly they've got a bit of a run game. They've not got a great offensive line. They have got very good receivers, though. So there's a little bit of a balance there in the backfield and in the receivers that it might mask the offensive line a little bit. But certainly the potential there for a really good season. I mean, he was in PPR. He was quarterback 14 last season. So, but he did score more than Matt Stafford in Detroit. So it it just shows, you know, he he could certainly outperform that price. We've spoke about running back Mm. quite a bit already as well. Yeah, we have. Is there anyone at that position outside of the few that have emerged Mm. seemingly in preseason due to injuries that you've got an eye on to
2: see where things go? Well, one of the value value running backs we didn't talk about, who I'm not sure if he's going to be a good player or not, but I'm definitely intrigued to see, is Melvin Gordon at £13 He's priced between James White and Devin Singletary. Singletary. But you would think um, MG3 has, has actually a route to a bell cow back, especially at the beginning of the season. Everybody's assuming that um, Javonta Williams is going to take over, but it doesn't mean he's going to do it on week one. Yeah. So that could be that could be somewhere to go. But other than that, we kind of mentioned all the um, the main players we're interested in. And yeah. again, if somebody if you're not if you're not you don't know anything about NFL and stuff, the pricing is pretty fair on the running backs. So if you spend your money, I think you're going to be okay. Obviously, check people who. They will update this to show you who's out, like J.K. Dobbins at 16 million isn't going to play this season. But um I think the pricing's really fair, don't you? So, you know, you can't go wrong if you spend your money.
1: Yeah. The the only other one I've got my eye on, Mark, is probably Mike Davis, and it feels like a bit of a trap. But I think at 15 mil, you know, we Mike Davis thrown in at the deep end last year with McCaffrey's injury. But I think you've got a running back there that he's on a pass happy offense that has lost Julio Jones has gained Cal Pitts, but now has a running back and we saw what he was capable of last season. He does contribute out of the backfield as well. So 59 receptions he had last year in Carolina. Um, You know, he, he could be a shrewd play at 15 if you're looking for, a kind of budget running back to pair with James Robinson and A.N. Other, if that's the, the route you're going down. Um Philip Lindsay's another one, 12.5, I've got my eye on. Um What puts me off here is the fact he's on the Houston Texans <laughs> who are an absolute dumpster fire. But we know the injury history with David Johnson and we know that Philip Lindsay given the volume and opportunity, he is an efficient running back. And I think at 12.5, he, he has potential there to outperform his price tag and potentially become certainly a, a, a 50-50 share out of the backfield with David Johnson. Um,
2: yeah, there's I not... Wouldn't, I wouldn't be picking in week one, though. Certainly until not. Until we no. see what's happening. Certainly um, not. And Mike, Mike Davis last year... He had, I think, his first four weeks when he took over the starting job, he was fantastic. But he just tailed off, I think, due to health and reasons. And he had nobody else to suit up, so he still played. And I know because I rostered him most of those weeks, and he was awful. <laughs> um, so he might be great at the might be great value at the beginning of the season, but I just think you're gonna got to be prepared to, for the fact that he might be dropped. Yeah, you know, he might be injured, and you know, his role may well reduce. Um, but that's true of a lot of these players down here and stuff at this sort of price range. Other than James Robinson, so yeah. yeah,
1: I think I've got. And again, I feel like I'm probably buying into preseason hype a little bit here. But I've got my eye on Stevenson, Ramondre Stevenson of the New England Patriots again, nine million. Sony Michelle going clears the path a little bit. I do suspect that we will get more Damian Harris. Like we did towards the second half of last season, um James White's still there, and we know James White loves loves catching passes out of the backfield, so you know it might be that the there isn't much work there for him, but he has had a good productive preseason, and that has caught my eye a little bit. I'm certainly not gonna start with him, but if he starts seeing. 10 touches a game, for example, at 9 million, I think he, he, he could certainly become value, especially if there's an injury there in New England.
2: One thing you know for sure, is because it's a Bill Belichick team, there will be some weeks when he gets 30 touches. Mm. But knowing what weeks they will be, will be impossible yeah. to predict. But it um, will just happen because he does that. That's how he deals with his running backs.
1: And then he'll probably be on the waivers the week after because he, yeah. he turned yeah. up late to a practice.
2: Yeah, so, like, you know, it's, um, it, again, historically, New England players aren't the best for fantasy mm. because of this sort of, because of the way the game plan changes every week, etc.
1: Yeah. Wide receiver, Mark?
2: Um, I've got, I think there's lots of things interesting here, but um, for, because of time reasons, I'm just going to pick out two from the same team, Tracon Smith and Callaway of New Orleans. Who are thirteen and twelve, and the reason I'm picking them is they are about the only fit receivers I think for the Saints, <laughs> and they have named Jameis Winston as their starter, who just loves to throw the ball, and he is when he's started and he's played, he's he's been great news for fantasy points for his receivers, hasn't he? Yeah. So I think thirteen and twelve for those two is just great value. Yeah, and no, I like that. Um, For the beginning of the season, when uh, Michael Thomas comes back, um, one of them will probably drop off. Yeah. For me, I do quite like
1: the KJ Hamler price at 10. I think he's got a good opportunity there to play a lot out the slot. It's a little bit crowded, especially if Sutton comes back full health. Jerry Judy's there, Noah Fant. But again, he's caught my eye a little bit in preseason with some big plays. He's one of the big, you know, second-year breakout potential. He's he's on so many articles out there. A lot of buzz around him this off-season. Quez, am I saying that right? Quez, 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 Quez Watkins will go with in Philadelphia, seven mil. Um, I think when you look at the Philadelphia receivers, you've got Devonta Smith. Um, you've got Jalen Rager, who is year two, did not perform you know, as expected last season. It's, it's certainly not worked out for him so far. And then outside of them, you've got Fulgham, who had three or four games last year where he looked like the next big thing in Philadelphia and then completely fell off a cliff. You've got Greg Ward, who's been there for a few seasons and has never really made an impact. And then you've got Arcee Whiteside, who it wouldn't even surprise me if he wasn't even on the team come the start of the season. So I think he, again, buying into the hype a little bit of of preseason, but he's starting to get his name out there. He's been productive. Nothing more. At 7 mil, he is a nice, cheap option to free up budget elsewhere throughout your team. Certainly, something to consider. He's probably one of the receivers where, if you're looking down at that seven mil region, and there is not much there at all at this stage, but if you're looking around that region, he's probably one of the ones that's got the potential to have the most input
2: for me. Yeah, I think um, there's lots of value or potential value at that 10 million pound range. It's hard to know who it is right now, but hopefully in a few weeks into the season we'll understand. But there's lots of good options there, like like you say, like Hamler, there's MVS is there, Humphreys of Washington. You know these are players you can see to a path to being very valuable. Um, Kiki Kuti as well is there, and yeah. um, and Pringle he's on the Chiefs. You know it's um, you know a very potent office offense. So like you know he could. Um, I think there's lots of options down there, but we won't necessarily know for week one who was the best.
1: Yeah, we spend too much time talking about tight ends and defenses, Mark, so I'm really going to touch on this. Um, I'm assuming you will be going down the same route as me, but I am completely swerving the defense, to be honest, and I'm going really budget there. I'm looking around that that 9.5 bracket. Um, At the most, I'm willing to spend on my defense is 10, and that would potentially be a San Francisco or a Green Bay defense, the Jets is crying out to me at 9.5, as is the Bears. Is there anyone that you've got your eye on down there?
2: You've covered them all. I would say to people, if it's the first time you made a fantasy lineup for NFL, you also need money to be left over for defense, but I would, it would be the last thing you do and just fit, fit in a team, you know, which works. Don't ever miss out on a player in another position to pick a defense. Yeah,
1: absolutely. The point scoring is too variant week to week. You might hit massively on one week and you could think, oh, fantastic, great. I'll need to look for another defense like this one. But it's a trap to, to quote a famous line from a Star Wars film. It's a trap. Just get yourself a cheap defense. Mark, I think that rounds us off. Like This has been some some talk about this season long game but i cannot wait we are 10 days away make sure your lineup is in before next thursday we will be bringing you another pod next week with our week 1 lineups if you do want to interact or hit us up on social media i will be posting some stuff over the next week or so about this mark i'm sure you will be as well the listeners you can find me at Nick of Wigan on Twitter. Where can the listeners find yourself, Mark? At underscore SMRF. Fantastic. Fanteam.com is your website, but we will include some links in the description of this pod if you do want to join up. And you can find our links on our social media pages as well. And it is the NFL Fantasy Full Season Game, £8.40. Bye-in. Mark this has been fun I can't wait for week one I can't wait to see that team next week any
2: parting comments for the listeners (laughs) no just looking forward to it can't wait to get started looking forward to next week's hopeful video pod awesome this is a
1: one time buying at £8.40 as always though this is a form of gambling so make sure you do gamble responsibly I would usually say draft responsibly at this stage Mark or you would say that doesn't feel all that relevant here, but...
2: Uh, We're going to have to come up with something else, aren't we? No, oh, yeah. Construct your lineup responsibly. Ooh, I don't know. Mm. We might pull that one out to
1: the listeners. Yeah. <laughs> Either way, we will see you next week.